I grew up in Alaska and I went away to study physics. And when I was done, I, I wanted an adventure. So I applied for a job as a science technician at the South Pole in Antarctica. And the job involved uh, taking care of astrophysics experiments year round for the National Science Foundation. Um, it's very remote at the South Pole. When I was there, there was no phone, no internet. Um, even sending email was a chore because we only had a um, 10 to 20 minute window on a satellite every 24 hours. Um, so when I arrived, it was during the Austral summer, which is November, December, and January. There was about 120 people. And that's when most of the research and construction took place at the South Pole. Um, so we we're there for the holidays. I remember we had a, uh, a 5K race and it was called Race Around the World because we ran it around the actual geographic South Pole. Um, I didn't win. <laughs> um, so uh, after the Austral summer, the station closes and there's no flights in or out for the next eight or nine months. And it's just the winter over crew, which is about 20 people. Um, an interesting thing about the South Pole is the sun only rises and sets once a year. So it spirals up to its zenith during the austral summer, spirals back down. And once it goes below the horizon, you don't see it again for six months. And so when you winter over, it's called spending the night. And um, once, the, once the station closed, it was just the 20 of us or so. And we were... We all had our winter over tasks, but um, one of the tasks was to remodel the galley, which is where we um, cooked and ate our food. And we had a kickoff party for this where we lined up all the tables and splashed them down with water. And then we'd get these running starts and Superman onto the table and onto the floor. And that was the start of the party. By the end of the party, <clears throat> most of the Furniture was in the middle of the room and, and somehow it caught fire. <laughs> um, uh, no one was hurt. Um, and then, uh, that was, that was kind of how the crew went. They, we worked hard and we played hard. It was, it was just a lot of, a lot of fun. But one of the most exciting times of the winter over was the first full moon in June, which was when the midwinter airdrop happened. And that involved having a C-141 fly from New Zealand to the South Pole. It didn't land in Antarctica. In fact, it had to refuel in midair. And once it got to the South Pole, um, it, it would drop bundles for us. And this included the only fresh fruit, the only fresh vegetables, and the only mail that we would rece receive during the winter over. But the tailgate, you couldn't, they couldn't open the tailgate because the hydraulics wouldn't work at 100 below. So they had to push everything out the side door with parachutes and strobe lights, which the strobe lights didn't work because the batteries went dead at 100 below. Um, my job for that, that airdrop was to operate a tracked loader with a bucket attachment. So like a caterpillar loader with a bucket. And I would, um, bring it out to where one of the ground crew had found a parcel or a bundle and they would wrestle it into the bucket and then I would bring it back into the galley where it could be unloaded in the warmth. And 
all in all, that that whole experience, the whole winter over was the adventure I had been hoping for. And I was so enthused about that year that I decided that I wanted to do another. And, and I wasn't the only person on that crew that felt that way. Several people signed up for a second winter over. And a year later, we all arrived, we were all again at the South Pole together. But right away, I could tell that the personality of the crew had changed. And although I had made good friends with everybody on the second crew, the average age was older. So it was a little more sedated. There was a number of people whose career it was to work in remote locations and then move on. And they were very insular. They, they kind of kept to themselves. And finally, a lot of couples formed and they were either off being romantic or they were fighting and I didn't want to be around them. So consequently, I found myself alone a lot. I was, I was, you know, alone all the time almost. It seemed I'd get up, go to breakfast, see a few people. Then I'd go to Skylab, which was where uh, a four-story building where the astrophysics experiments were housed. I'd come back for dinner. I'd see a few more people. Then everyone would disappear, and I would be by myself, either watching a movie, reading a book. I even learned to knit. So by the time airdrop rolled around, I was kind of feeling like... I don't know, maybe I'd made a mistake. It wasn't exciting, adventurous anymore. It wasn't the the adventure that I had had the first year. And, and I was thinking, well, maybe I'd made a mistake. And on top of that, I was sick. I couldn't even help with airdrop. So instead, I climbed up Skylab up to the roof of this four-story building. And I looked out over the polar plateau and it was flat and white in every direction. The mechanic had put out burn barrels with fuel in them and lit them on fire. And I heard the airplane before I saw it, but then it came out of the darkness at about a thousand feet and started dropping the bundles. And I thought that plane, those people in it, that's the, that's the outside world. That's where I'm gonna get to. I will make it out of here. And I felt, I felt even more so three months later when again I was in Skylab and I saw the sunrise for the only time that year. And I thought of what a friend had told me. There's a way out of everything and the world will turn. <laughs>